You're listening to All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. My never-ending uh, attempt to uh, have the ominous voice of Toby Keith overshadow the interviews I do with Grant Newsham just as my way of intimidating him, knowing that he's one day closer of meeting his maker in karaoke someday. Now, Grant, um, does it make you fear for the future of the world when uh, about a half a dozen people have commented to me about wanting to go to a go-go bar after listening to us muse about your uh, lifestyle? Does it make you worry for the future of the free world that uh, that so many people long for go-go bars? No, I think it's a, a return to normality. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that's, you know, the happening go-go lifestyle. You got to have it. Well, and you know, when you see whatever a go-go bar Right. New York City, a go-go. It's like, we got to go in there, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> okay. All over the place, too, in the uh, in the Far East. Hey, well, let me ask you a nightlife. I mean, you've been around uh, the uh, the Pacific Rim a little bit. What does have the most happening nightlife? Uh, I mean, uh, what is the city that... Um, that you would say, yeah, that place is pretty fun to go to. So, you know, I don't know. It, uh, you know, not that I'm the, you know, have an encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff. But what one thing you you notice as you just sort of walk around, you know, Asian cities is that um, they're not like they were like twenty, thirty years ago. They're not. Oh my no, God. it's um, what's you know, next? You know, that's, what's maybe, next in this year of COVID? What else can be taken from us? Oh, it happened long before that. Damn it. That, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. But, you know, if you <clears throat> live long enough, you know, the world changes. Well, and we, um, and we, I know, we hate it cle- for that. I think the, the common expression is they kind of get cleaned up. You know, they, uh, so what would have been like uh, your, your, you know, the Mac McNamara go-go bar strip. Now it would be like coffee shops or something like Ugh. that. And it's moved somewhere else that, you know, I don't bother to go find. But, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not like it was. But they, you know, so I don't quite know where I would recommend. You know, you'd, um, you'd have to get local, some, some local who could really uh, show you where the, the in places are. But there's little glimpses of what used to be in just about everywhere you go. Uh, but it, it just seems to shrink or move around or, or such like. But, uh, but you know, the the classic, of course, was always Bangkok. But, you know, that's, you know, yeah, I guess suppose so. Um, but now you should probably ask some, you know, first lieutenant, uh, you know, for the real update on it all. Or some taxi driver, right? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, oh, they, yeah. yeah, I'm sure the, that would work. The normal <laughs> people that you would find such information from. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I want to, I want you to put your Intel guy hat on and, uh. At what point does a uh, does an electronic um, intrusion into somebody else's nation uh, become something more than simply we're all just going to pretend like it didn't happen in public? Um, you have any sense of that? And I and the other thing I, w- I would ask you to comment on is, you know, there is a classified version of what happened in in this this hack of our of the federal government of the united states and other as we're learning now other you know um medical companies and anybody who would use this software uh that the russians have some kind of backdoor into um what well start with that so um at what point does it become an act of war and 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 just my point is very quickly is is there's a classified version of the damage and then there's what we trot out in public and i would tell you that the classified version of this damage is much 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 worse than anybody's letting on to in public right now so with that said that's mike mcnamara's assessment but uh uh your thoughts on all that grant 
Um, yeah, you're right. You know, we only hear what is reported in the, the press, you know, or what some government official mentions. And that has got to be just a tip of the iceberg. But we always end up debating about the little bit that's been reported. So I think you can reasonably assume that this is is really bad. You know, imagine we were doing it to somebody else. You know, we were just sat, you know, we were able to go anywhere in their systems uh, that we wanted to. And that would be a pretty useful thing to have. So this really is a, a big deal. Uh, does it amount to an act of war? Well, that's the sort of thing that the, the so-called chattering class, or the commentariat of which I suppose I'm a member, um, they debate it endlessly. You know, some people say it is, some people say it isn't. You know, the excuse is, well, it's just espionage and everybody does it and they just had a, had a good run. Uh, but the one thing to keep in mind is that sometimes these things are sort of a first step or something that you use in an actual war and use it very effectively. Uh, the, particularly, you'd point to the Chinese having stolen, say, our submarine technology, some of our aviation technology. I think it was the F-35 that they basically got. Uh, you know, you look at these uh, Chinese aircraft that look exactly like American aircraft. Well, that's because they are. Uh, that they're very successful in getting into our defense contractors, particularly the, via the defense subcontractors. So they use that espionage to build up a military, which is in some respects able to take us on right now. And in the future, as they innovate and develop their some of their own stuff and keep stealing more, that they will be able to take us on even more uh, effectively. And so I tend to look at this stuff as, you know, to some extent, an actual act of war, and it should be treated that way. Uh, the, what the Russians did, as you note, you know, all we know is what we've read. Right. And they, you think of what they could do if they wanted to take this to the next step, the next level, and or if, uh, you know, the what they've gotten out of it that is going to help them and develop their military. You know, there's a, you know, yes, espionage is, you know, as old as probably Fred Flintstone and the cavemen. Uh, but that said, if you're going to do it and if you get caught doing certain things, uh, you should expect the other side to act as though you have done something really bad, effectively uh, an act of war. And that's why when the Americans do things, they think they discuss, well, what's blowback? What could, uh, you know, sort of the, what could happen if we do this? And one of the things they always consider because they're pretty timid is, well, what if the American public found out? And the other is, well, what if the other side uh, finds out and they really, really don't like us uh, for doing this? Uh, so I tend to lean towards what the, the Russians have done as, as an act of something – uh, close to an act of war that I think deserves a response that is um, just one step removed from actually shooting, but something that makes it so they won't want to do it again, nor will anyone else. But at the same time, you've you know, one does have to kind of hand it to them. Uh, and it looks to me like just breathtaking incompetence on the American side to let this happen. Uh, one thing you note, actually, from what you read is that it, I generally think that uh, we've so, that it's leprechauns to blame uh, for what happened because no human on the American side seems to be getting credit for allowing this uh, massive uh, intelligence failure, this massive sort of blow to our actual our national defense. If we let it happen, you'll notice nobody's to blame. Uh, and you know, how could that possibly be? But that's the way we do things is that uh, whenever we have our sort of long-standing, breathtaking incompetence on display, nobody pays for it. You know, go back to the that instant a few years ago during the Obama administration when the Chinese stole most of the Office of Personnel Management uh, database, which means that if anyone has worked for the U.S. government or applied for a government job, the Chinese have your application. Uh, now, when that happened, the Obama administration refused to say that the Chinese did it. And that should give you some idea of just how uh, timid uh, they were. But also, nobody was ever held responsible for that, uh, for that failing. Once again, well, oh, it couldn't be helped. And, you know, it, 
it's, it's insane. And if you if that's how we're going to do it, well, you can expect we're going to have these happen again. And you can prop you, you always wonder, of course, well, what else is going on right. uh, that we haven't haven't found? So that's just a few uh, initial uh, ideas about this. Talk to me about, um, you know, the Chinese. I mean, we could we could go through inside all these different hacks. How do they weaponize this? To what end? Right. Do you do you do this? Um, any, you know, again, as a former Intel guy, uh, what do they, when they're hacking and taking all these applications and with all this personal data, um, are they looking to take that and for people they're looking to influence, um, they can then blackmail them. They can access personal, you know, more personal financial data and other stuff. I mean, to what end? How do you weaponize this? Um, how do you weaponize this? Oh well, if it's just the say personnel records, right. uh, that's that's one thing. Right. You know, you can you know obviously use it. You know, the more you know about somebody, the more useful it is. Uh, you know, if you want to target and recruit them or such like, or or see their vulnerabilities, but also if you're negotiating with people, uh, everything you know about them, it gives you an advantage there. You know, when it comes to war, you know, to wartime, if you capture people, you interrogate them, and you know every possible thing about them, it, it gives you an advantage. The, the Germans in World War II would often surprise some captured pilots with just how much they knew about their personal backgrounds. Uh, so that that gives, it gives you an, an advantage. The more you know about somebody, uh, the better off you are. Um, but when it, it comes to the, but say that's just the the personnel file fiasco. Uh, but when it comes to actual technology, then when you've got the technology, uh, you can put that to work. And that, that you've seen that many times over, over history uh, when one country has an advantage, a technological advantage, and the other side gets it. Um, suddenly there, the military advantage is gone and there's an economic war going on just as well because this, this espionage is directed uh, as much against commercial targets as it is government ones or military ones. And that, once again, gives you a huge advantage if, say, for example, China managed to say they managed to steal enough semiconductor technology that they're no longer dependent on the, the Americans. Uh, that obviously gives you a, a huge advantage. Um, and also, and once again, going back to the negotiations, if you're reading what the American agencies are saying about about their negotiating strategies, what their bottom lines are, you know, everything, it's all good stuff to know when you're reading the other guy's mail. And yeah, I mentioned the Chinese, but it's the Russians, too. And, you know, one shouldn't underestimate them um, when one remembers when um, uh, when Romney was running for president, he was debating Obama. And uh, Mr. O and Romney mentioned the Russians as a threat, and Obama dismissed it as oh, wanting the Cold War back. Well, you know, you can see why we're in the mess we are. Uh, not that the Obama administration was the only thing that got us there. It's been a, a bipartisan effort, uh, but that's uh, you, when you the more you know, the better off you are. Uh, you know, assuming that you're not just going to drown in the stuff like the old East Germans were where they seem to have stolen everything about every person in East Germany and had so much stuff they couldn't do anything with it. But that was also before computer technology really got uh, got up to speed. The um, It'll be interesting to watch the American response to see if there is any... Um, you know, when the National Security Advisor stops what he's doing and returns to the country, that's not a small deal. So we'll see what... what what direction that the uh, you know the the Biden administration takes with uh, with Russia right out of right out of the shoot. Um, the next story that's in the news is uh, since the last time we spoke was the Representative Swalwell um, thing uh, with uh, I mean and it is Grant it's honestly amazing um, a Chinese national wants to help you raise money. Hmm. No, that doesn't set, that doesn't set off a, a a red flag, you know, in your uh, in your world. Uh, 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 a Chinese national wants to place an intern in your office. 
Um, and you're, you know, you you watch this story, and it's like, is this as old as time? The, you know, the the attractive woman, the honeypot, right? All of that. Um, I'm curious. And then, as recently as when this story breaks, Swalwell's father and brother are still friends with this woman on Facebook after all that had happened when the FBI had told him and, and, and whatnot. You know, one would think if one was a victim and just truly the biggest rube on the planet that you would say, hey, and then everybody jettisons everything, right? Um, evidently not so. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts on all this. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you, you think we just might as well surrender and get it over with. Uh, if if we're this stupid and, you know, him, you know, Swalwell, of course, you know, it, this is, you know, yeah, the, this is this is an old story. And uh, but I would suggest that perhaps his judgment doesn't qualify him to have uh, that position on the, the Senate of the House uh, Intelligence Committee and access to extremely, extremely sensitive secret information Uh you know that that's one thing, and, and then the the obviously the response by I guess the Pelosi um, and the the others to rally around him and not you know bounce him off of that committee in a second. You know that tells you everything about just how what bad shape we're in. Um, you know, it, it really is just infuriating, really, that there's even any question or doubt about what uh, what needs to be done here. Uh, and that nobody's doing it. And you see that really this is uh, their own personal interests over national interests. Uh, what this guy, you know, just this breathtaking lack of judgment uh, and stupidity is uh, that's being excused because he's of the right political party is, is insane. And you cannot expect to prevail against uh, America's adversaries if this is how you're going to look at things, uh, how you're going to uh, respond to just uh, just egregious in intelligence failure, or what would you call it, just by his uh, malfeasance. Uh, the you know, people say, "Oh, well, he just caught uh, got caught up like humans have been getting men have been getting mostly, not entirely." The um, the, the Chinese and the Russians have done very well with against uh, women, uh, including uh, U.S. government, CIA, and uh, government. Uh, employees um but it's generally men who get caught up caught up in it and especially when you one thing you mentioned it putting an intern into his office uh, you can do an awful lot of things when you've got somebody in place and you're just picking up information documents uh you're listening to people you have a good you you have a feel for the the office and what's going on what's being said uh and that's useful information to have. And like a lot of these things, if you think, well, what advantage would we have if we could get somebody into, say, a similar place? And what could they pick up if they were the, the right person? Uh, and it's uh, a lot of useful stuff to get. So I think that Fang Fang, which is certainly not her real name, uh, that the Chinese must be laughing because only a like a, a white guy would have fallen for that. Um, the, the, I mean, the Chinese intelligence guys must be laughing because they've they got information and they even fooled the fooled the uh, the Westerner uh, that she probably got a nice promotion for her, her good work in the U.S., I should think. Um, and here you have our intelligentsia trying to uh, pretend nothing serious happened. Uh, and one does recall also the, uh, the things that this Swalwell fellow was alleging Mr. Trump had done. Uh, and there's the I think the, the ancient Greeks knew about karma, etc. So this whole thing is a it it's it just a disaster, you know, one after another it seems, and you wonder what on earth, yeah, you know, is going on here. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't begin to understand it. That I, I do understand when uh, politicians and political types will do anything for themselves, but. Uh, the U.S. Uh, that's, they don't care two hoots about that, and this is such a case. The um, it's interesting watching um, uh, much of the commentary, and um, and and all of it 
or, or a lot of it now centers on, um, and it seemed to add to the tidal wave in, I don't know, tidal wave, the coming wave in the United States. Uh, I, I don't know if the United States is finally beginning to publicly awaken and not being able to deny the onslaught of espionage and influence operations that the Chinese are executing in the United States. Um, do you think we're, is the United States reaching a tipping point? Is uh, Will that remain to be seen? Because we're, uh, we're really good. And, uh, and if uh, Joe Biden is anything like Barack Obama, we're absolutely gifted at turning the other cheek to the Chinese. Um, any sense of that, Grant? Is, is that are we, because of all the, the reporting, the Swalwell thing, and, and uh, the, uh, you just had the uh, Director of National Intelligence, um, in fact, we had you on a couple of weeks ago talking about some of the things that that uh, that, that you know he wrote in a, he wrote in a op-ed piece, um, and it, it he was talking about technology, and and he used this. He said, "I have a saying for it: rob, replicate, and replace." And he he kind of in a in a paragraph uh, d- talks about the semiconductor business, no, the air conditioning turbine business, um, where. You're forced to hand over your technology to your Chinese partner. They then replicate it, start another company that's wholly owned by China, use Chinese labor, whatever the hell that means, and um, and then they go and they replace you around the world in international markets. Are we? These stories continue to come out. And I, I want to say a couple of weeks ago it was with the arrest of six and the FBI beginning to look at this harder, a thousand Chinese, quote-unquote, agents left the country. Are we getting to a point that we can't turn back from this, or are we always, uh, being the gifted people we are, uh, willing to to turn the other cheek so that Wall Street can do what they do? Well, you wonder. You know, this isn't the first time in in history that America has just gotten whapped by a by an intelligence loss or uh, attack like this, you know, back in the um, what uh, Cold War, the, Kim Philby, nobody, I guarantee nobody listening to this will remember who he was. It was Philby, Burgess and McLean. It was this British spy ring of these elite, very elite guys. And there were a couple more that were came out in later years. And they were like turning over all of the, uh, basically all the, the secrets in the effort to, uh, operate against the Soviet Union. And Philby fled to Moscow and lived out his life there and even appeared on a uh, Russian postage stamp. And then you, you had in the 80s, the John Walker, uh, right. I think Walker spy ring, gave a way very sensitive uh, submarine technology. And th- these things were about as, uh, as you call it, jarring as this most recent thing with the, the Russians. But they... The Russians, the, this latest thing with the Russians, it seems like they got in more widely and were able to sit and take more stuff than uh, than some of the previous cases. So, so my point is that this isn't the first time that we've had this sort of intelligence failure, uh, and you know probably won't be the last. But has, has it really caused a sea change in America thinking? Uh, I think both of those previous instances I mentioned at the time, there was, uh, I think, widespread uh, belief that that Russia was an enemy, mortal enemy. And the same thing with the Walker spy ring. When this happened, I think most people thought that, like, yikes, this is bad. Uh, and yet these days, I'm not so sure, you know, you, you uh, if it really resonates with the, the public at large um, and the you know, you within say our political class you know you've still got you know it was the russians who did this latest thing but the chinese are getting plenty of attention as well but you do get the impression at least when it comes to the chinese that a lot of our political class does think that we can still reach a deal with them that for no matter what they do it's you know it isn't that bad we can have a reset and we can just defuse tensions and um you know, cooperate where we can and compete where we have to, etc. Uh, that there isn't, I don't think, a sense that the the Chinese are that much of a threat the way that the Russians were regarded in the old days. Uh, yes, there are plenty of people in Washington on Capitol Hill who do think so, but it's, I'm always impressed at just how uh, 
how much support they have and and from the what would be considered the the middle of the sort of the normal parts of the the democratic party and even parts of the republican party uh, and I think the response to the Swalwell business gives you some idea of that uh, parts of the Democratic Party and its leadership really don't care, you know, what our enemies do. Uh, when and then you've got, if it is a president Biden, if it is Biden as president, you you look at his family's financial ties to the Chinese, and these are under the table ch- ties, clearly illicit, uh, and intended for no other reason than to uh, influence uh, Biden. Uh, that you really ha- that really causes you a, a lot of concern. Um, this could never have happened. Something like this during uh, in a previous era, it just couldn't have happened. Whoever was t- caught up in this would have been finished. You know, they would never have been a figure in public life again. And yet here we just kind of let it go. The media says nothing. The, the censor people who. Uh, talk about it. Uh, the, I can't think of another instance like this. And you know, you've had Diane Feinstein from your from the Golden State. You know, she had a Chinese spy on her as her chauffeur for 20 years. Her husband has made a bundle off of Chinese business, and nobody seems to care. You know, it's when you you know you whiff mo- you wave money in front of Westerners and they seem to go insane. Uh, you know, look at Wall Street. That uh, this is if you want a case study in just how bad things are. Uh, that for ev- despite everything that's been reported about China, uh, what they're doing to us, uh, what they're doing to their own people, you know, the the genocide, literally, and that meets the legal definition of genocide, of what they're doing to the Uyghurs, their Muslim uh, citizens, uh, that nobody seems to care. Wall Street doesn't give, doesn't care. Uh, and that is about as troubling a thing as you could, could think of. And uh, while the, the Russians, you know, sometimes people will, um, put on a you know a brave face against the Russians, but only because they think that uh, that Donald Trump is is in bed with them, which he isn't. Uh, but they'll do that. But when it comes to China, not a peep. The National Basketball Association, hell, goodness, give them wave them some money in any, uh, and you can see that Uyghur lives don't matter. Uh, the Disney, Wall Street, uh, excuse me, Hollywood, it, it just gets worse and worse. And so I'm not so sure that we've got to see change coming. You get an, If you get a new administration in, and even if you have some people who do understand the Chinese threat, and there are people who do, in uh, that have, whose names have been mentioned in, uh, as potential officials in Obama, uh, uh, Biden administration, you have plenty of people who don't think that way and who do think there is a deal to be cut. Uh, and there's even some who think that, well, China's on the rise, we're on the decline, therefore we should gracefully manage our our departure from Asia and from being the, the preeminent power in the world. There's that thought's represented as well. Uh, so this is like a really long way of saying I'm a little pessimistic about this. You know, even uh, taking into account that you know this isn't the first time America has faced something like we're facing. Uh, not at all. But uh, I have uh, I just have my concerns that there isn't a, a real sense that we face a a, a serious enemy uh, and that we need to act accordingly. But rather a sense, oh, they're not that bad. And, you know, it's partly our problem. Everybody does it. Uh, who can blame them? But, you know, I've mentioned this before in the show that uh, that what Rob rep- Replicate Replace, I used to work for Motorola in Japan, and Motorola did uh, everything right to get into China. Uh, you know, they, you know, kowtowed to the Chinese government. They handed over technology and what and whatever they didn't hand over was stolen. Uh, and so sure enough, that's what happened is they, they built their competition. And within a while, you had Chinese companies making uh, cell phones exactly like uh, Motorola made, but as as good, a lot cheaper. And they uh, basically destroyed Motorola. And uh, what the little part of part of the what's left of Motorola is now Chinese owned. Uh, so that's exactly the process. It, it is about that simple. It plays itself out all the time. And yet every uh, Western executive who goes into China uh, thinks he's, he's, it's going to be different for him. And, or in some cases, they just don't care. They just have to uh, sign one big contract and then uh, get the bonus from that and get an upward promotion. And then someone else goes into 
play that game of musical chairs and hopes to do the same thing before everything collapses. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm worried. You know, I don't know how else to, uh, to state it. Um, let me just, uh, the way these things manifest themselves, right? Um, so I was watching something and the reporter that was talking said, um, um, they said, you know, if you do a, um, if you do a search, um, if you do a search on an iPhone for images for President G, you won't find any. And I thought, what? And they and they said, but if you do it on a Samsung phone, like, so if you're sending a text message, right, and you into that, you know, where you look for gifts and goofy things, right? If you if you type in the word Trump, you'll see Donald Trump in drag. You'll see Donald Trump's heads flying around. You'll see all this crazy stuff, right? You put in in an in an iPhone. If you put in into that search window, G X I, nothing comes up, no images, and so for people that that wonder how this stuff manifests itself in terms of worldwide influence operations, you look at that. And so I, um, I'm not an iPhone guy, but I bought one recently because I thought I would test the camera a few months ago. Um, and I think if you if you like iPhones, you're you're a rube. Literally, as Grant would say, you are an absolute rube. You are easily influenced. It's a vanity device. Um, and I love technology, and I was prepared to admit that I had made a mistake all these years. That I I can't do half the things that I do on a Samsung phone because of the way just the design and 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 the amount of people that can design applications and the innovation and things like that. So anyway. Uh, yeah, you can put up a lot of emojis next to text messages, okay, which gives you some time. In my, this is my opinion, my criticism of iPhone users, right? Rubes, okay, simpletons, camera, music, emojis, that's them, in a stylish little package. But So the iPhone, amazing, right? But So I did it, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, my God, it's no bullshit. President Xi and nothing comes up. Now, Samsung, made by the Koreans, okay? Go ahead and try that on their app, right? You get a parade, a cavalcade of President Xi caricatures. And it's just so when you look about when you look at how does this stuff manifest itself? You want to do business here? We don't want to see that, right? And then say, okay, we'll just wipe it out. And so um, and then you go to the search engines. And see what you can find about that story in a search engine. Google, for example. Can't find anything. That's odd, isn't it? And then um, the one of the names that's been floated as the U.S. ambassador to China under the Biden administration after what? After the mayor of South Bend, Indiana was given another job is Bob Iger, who's a Disney guy. Disney, famous for right filming in in the same in the same province that the Uyghurs are being held right in concentration camps. Um, so you watch it, Grant, and it's like we we are living the emperor's new clothes. We're actually living that scenario, where yeah, it's happening in front of you know our eyes, but nobody's going to say a word because can't put Chinese money in our pockets fast enough. Uh, yeah, it is about as bad as you, you say. And I've never come across the uh, the censorship. You know, that's one of the particularly troubling things is that, you know, you are seeing the, the social media and the, as you just mentioned, you know, Apple, um, you know, censoring ideas that they don't like and people they don't like. You know, this is, is something, you know, straight out of it. That's George Orwell. Um, and you, so it's what looks like private companies who are determining what free people will or won't have access to. Uh, this is never, I can't think of this in, in my lifetime. You know, it always, you get, might get newspapers that didn't cover stories, but not very much. Not like, not like this. It, 
you know, th- this is a, this literally is insane. And hey, and let me give you let me give you one more know. let me give you one more. So all you rubes that ho- own iPhones, okay, put in President G into your send a text message, right? Go to attach an image and then type in President G. No results for this item, right? Just in case you think that's an, an anomaly, then type in Tiananmen. No results for this. For, for, no results for Tiananmen. That's the kind of as as Grant is saying, Orwellian, a little bit. I guess it just didn't happen, right? Uh, it uh, yeah, it, it's beyond Orwellian actually. But that's a debate. Yeah, Orwell. Or, Orwell was a, whole a lot of, yeah. He was a rube. He he would own yeah, an iPhone. He could have. He could yeah. never have thought of something like this. Yeah, well, I've mastered the uh, the the emoji thing recently, so I've been making full use of it. But the, uh, Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. But the if you look at Apple, it's actually it's a really interesting case study of how a uh, a company will prostitute itself to the the most vicious people on the planet uh, while talking a good game, you know about you know how they're helping mankind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, the Tim Cook, the, the current president, and the one before him wasn't much better. You know, if you, you know, if you want to study it just a little bit, you know, spend half an hour and do some searches and and look at how Apple has dealt with the the Chinese Communist Party and Tim Cook's role. He's the the head of uh, Apple, and it, it is it, you, you, one hardly knows what to say because we're not used to be people being so um, unpatriotic. Or really, so pro uh, pro a regime that harvests people's organs, um, or puts their citizens into concentration camps, puts people who criticize the the leader into mental hospitals and pumps them up with drugs. Um, what exactly is the good thing to say on their behalf? And yet here you have uh, Apple is one that has gone all into China, and you're going to see that rob, replicate, replace. Uh, thing played out, and you already have to some extent within within China, and the Apple's competition worldwide uh, from Chinese companies is considerable fierce, and it's going to get better or stronger. And China, but everyone thinks it's not going to happen to them, and that a little bit of groveling and uh, sort of obliterating one's principles is okay because it's you know it's for the long term. You know, it's for the long term, it's for a good purpose, it's for our shareholders, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just an excuse that human beings have been trotting out for years to explain why they're doing something they shouldn't do. Uh, and But Apple's going to be a, another, another case study in what happens when uh, Western companies, foreign companies, try to go into China, into China as it's run by the, the Chinese Communist Party. It won't have a happy ending. It may take longer than most. Uh, but it, it won't be a happy ending for them. It is amazing when you see um, it that blatant, right, that you can look for an image as as historically famous as Tiananmen and on an iPhone, and there it comes up. No no images found. I mean, it's just stunning when you when you see that. And I, and I, saw, I, I saw this guy with the reporter, and I was like, come on. And so I did it, and I, I mean, you're speechless. That that so you know it's and again, you look at the way that the Chinese influence, right? Why so much Chinese influence in American movie making? American movie making serves movies to the world, right? And so if I can get there, and I can get them to take Tom Cruise, and again, you and I talked about this before, but it used to be there were certain scenes in a, in movies that had to be shot differently for the Chinese audience, right? That was for internal consumption. Now, their influence is not simply concerned with internal consumption. It is how the world consumes, and we now throw enough money around, you know, in terms of your box office and your gate, that we will tell you that the Chinese patches, the Taiwanese patches come off Tom Cruise's jacket, and you will dance to our tune. And then you see something like this, the, the, you can't find the chairman G emoji, you know, or a Tiananmen Square emoji. And you look around, and you're like, wow. And as you said before, nobody says a word. And you're talking about, you know, the Disney company. You're talking about, right, Apple, 
who are in, so in bed with the Chinese um, that that it's uh, it's mind boggling sometimes. The um, interesting. Um, uh, I want to ask you about uh, you write extensively about the Japanese defense, um, the subject of Japanese uh, defense, and and uh, and where that's headed. Uh, Fifty two billion dollar um, budget, uh, their largest budget. Um, you said before that it's not enough. Um, talk to me about Japan and where they're headed with their budget. Oh, well, they just uh, announced their, their latest uh, defense budget. It's right. going to be, uh, they will tell you, our biggest ever. Um, it's, uh, uh, well, it depends on what you mean by, well, the question is, is, big, is, is the biggest ever enough? Uh, the short answer is no. It's about a one so-called. It's about a one percent increase, little over that. Uh, but what they would need to do, if they were even at all serious, they would need about five years with every year increasing the budget by ten percent. Uh, that's a back of the the envelope estimate. But a one percent estimate or increase is not even close to being enough. Uh, and it's not enough to address your personnel problems where you're missing your recruitment targets by 25% a year because salaries and living conditions are so terrible that people don't want to join. Uh, you don't have enough money to train. You don't have enough uh, equipment. Um, and you, you don't have enough ships and aircraft or even people to actually get out and about in the in the region and, and train and, and operate on any meaningful scale. That's different than sending a ship or a few aircraft here and there. Uh, but they, they're not spending what they need to improve their capabilities. And so I'm not impressed with, with what they've just done. Uh, it's getting favorable headlines, of course, as though, oh, the Japanese are serious and, you know, they're spending all this money and it's the 10th largest, what, military defense budget in the world, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But then you ask, well, can they fight? Uh, except for the Navy, no. Uh, and uh, the other thing to ask is, well, um, I just forgot what that other thing was. Um, <laughs> the, but this, with all of this, can they, you know, can they fight? Can they operate uh, properly? Have they addressed this? This is the other thing is, have they... Uh, uh, increase their budget to address the the manifest and obvious shortcomings that they have in their defense, and the answer is no. So even so, now that they've increased the budget a little bit, it really doesn't doesn't matter much. But I think what it shows is that they uh, they really don't aren't afraid of a Biden administration. That there was always a sense that Trump might do something to you. Uh, but with Biden, I think they, they've got his number and they know that all they have to do is tell the Americans, we don't have the money. And they use the expression, we have a severe fiscal condition. <laughs> so don't ask us. And the Americans go, OK. And then if the Americans want them to improve capability, all they have to say if they don't want to do something is, well, we our constitution won't let us do it. We're a peace loving country. And that's like your monopoly get out of jail free card. And it. It uh, works like garlic against a vampire towards the Americans. You know, they just all back right off. So they're not afraid of uh, what the what a, a Biden administration will, will do to them or put pressure. So, so the Japanese are going to do whatever they feel like doing, nothing more. And they'll try to do less, but they'll certainly do nothing more than they feel like doing. Uh, and that's sort of how I interpreted this. And you can see why I never get invited anywhere. Um, but, you know, ask ask somebody who actually knows, you know, who actually lives and breathes this stuff and lives with the Japanese military. And they'll tell you, yeah, that's that's how it is. Um, and one should never assume that the Navy, the Japanese Navy, is refl reflects all of the JSDF. It doesn't. The Navy is pretty good. But even it does not have enough ships or enough people uh, to really uh, be able to do what's necessary. You know, it's good with what it has. Uh, but it, it just doesn't have enough stuff. You know, to case in point, they're now going to build two new destroyers uh, that are they're going to put the Aegis anti-missile systems on these. Right. And they're fretting about where they're going to find 500 more sailors to man these ships. 
and the talk is of forcing 500 uh, Japanese army troops to join the Japanese Navy. Uh, and that's not that tells you plenty of what kind of problems the JSD has, JSDF has. Uh, so the Japanese defense budget, it's been going up, yes, for whatever, nine years now, but it's not going up enough. It's not nearly as big as it should be. And also keep in mind when you hear this expression, nine years of increases, the increases have been very small, um, but they also followed a decade of defense budget cuts. So previous Japanese administrations had cut the defense budget every year, even though the Americans asked them not to, but they cut it. And now, so Abe is starting from that very low baseline. Uh, you know, it's the budget was allowed to really decline just, da- well, even more more dangerously than where it already was, which was dangerous enough. And so Abe is trying to increase it from that, tried to increase it from that. And his increases have got it. If you look at where it is now, where it was 15 years ago or 20 years ago, it's not that much higher. You know, if you draw the, the line across the, the graph. Um, so just put it all in, in perspective and keep in mind that the, the Chinese do not have a defense budget. Uh, they put something together I think to keep us happy so we could kind of have a frame of reference, but it has no reference to how much money they will actually spend on defense. So say they put down, well, we spend 200 billion a year. The actual figure of what the Chinese will spend on defense is any amount. And that is how they look at it. They look at, you know, money spent on defense is not as coming from some finite pot that's been allocated by, by Congress, but rather they will spend everything that is necessary to develop a military that can uh, defeat the United States, dominate uh, the region, and eventually dominate the world. So they are effectively unlimited in how much they will spend on defense. And that's why they're cranking out four or five ships for every one that we are. Uh, compare what, they, what they're doing to what the Japanese have, and it's, it's embarrassing uh, that you know, it's not, it isn't even close. So although the talk about the Japan having raised its defense budget, if you look at the, what that actually means and look at the regional context in which it takes place, uh, and it's not, it is not grounds for optimism or uh, any sort of uh, backslapping to my way of thinking. Well, um, this has not been a very positive conversation, Grant. I have to tell you. Uh, on a on a on a positive note, the French are in the South China Sea. Uh, do you make anything of that? Uh, we talked about one of the impacts of uh, of President Trump is uh, is more. Um, you know, when we were talking about the audio it doesn't match the video, right? Uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, America alone. But what we see are things we haven't seen vis-a-vis China. And, uh, and so the French are now in the South China Sea. Uh, is that a good statement that's being made? Is, is, uh, talk to me about that. Well, I think it is a good thing. You know, them, them Frenchies, when they, uh, <laughs> you know, when they take offense at something, they can be pretty good. You know, they'll, and they will cut off their nose to well, spite their face. So even if it costs them some money, um, I think if French pride is and interests of a certain sort are seen as at risk, that they'll stand up and, and uh, give back, uh, push back. Uh, and the French have are actually a considerable Pacific power. They don't get the credit for that, but they've got, you know, a pretty sizable military presence down, down south, you know, Tahiti, New Caledonia, uh, and in the French territories, which also have huge uh, exclusive economic zones. So the actual territory that the French have in the Pacific is is immense, and they have been operating in the the region uh, for a while, a good long while. And I think a few years ago they sent an amphib up to up towards Japan and around Guam, Tinian, and it uh, uh, met up with the Americans and the Japanese and did some some good exercises. And it had a British Royal Marine. Uh, company aboard, I think it was a platoon or company, but with a couple of helicopters as well. Uh, and they, it just doesn't get a whole lot of attention, but the French presence is what not to be sniffed at, you know, at all, that it's uh, potentially a good one. And, and there is, as noted, there is something sort of contrary about the, the French, that they will, um, they will 
instead of backing off, um, that they'll actually, um, I say, push sometimes. And they're a, a good good group to have out here. And I'm glad to see them getting out and about and paying more attention. Uh, then, uh, then on the other hand, they talk about reaching an investment agreement with the Chinese. Uh, you never quite know what you're going to get from them, but there is at least the uh, the, the 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 possibility that um, that they all get on the right side, which is us. Uh, so it's good good thing to see. But like my like just about everything else uh, we talk about relative to China, it seems like um, I mean it's almost kind of rolled out the choreography of it. It's we roll it out, and then there seems to be some other economic news that gets us more in bed with the Chinese. So it's like we we don't really want to do this because it's costing us money, um, but we kind of feel like we've either been shamed into it or we have to do it because it's just too obvious. But we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna shut our financial you know relationship down. Certainly, you know, it's the same lament of the United States, right? Uh, we know it's bad, right? But Wall Street can't get there soon enough. Wall Street can't deliver the rules-based order to the Chinese, you know, fast enough if they can make another buck. And uh, you just watch it, and you're just like, "Wow, it is it is stunning. It is stunning in in its breath." And you know, does uh... so? Let me ask a fundamental question, Grant. Does the world awake to this before it's too late? You know, I, I really don't know. I would give it a 50% chance. It, it does, if, if that. It depends on which part of the world you're talking about. The, um, the free, do the free... Yeah. Uh, I'll find the, the question. Civilized, yeah, yeah, do the, oh, do I, the free I, Western nations of the world awaken in time, right, to stop this uh, transfer of economic power to the Chinese um, before the Chinese are in a position to say, no... Um, right. We are, uh, we are now the new sheriff in town and you will like it. You know, I, once again, 50% chance is about the best I, the best I'd give us. And that's not very good, you know, considering, I don't know, 10, 20, maybe 20 years ago, we had the the chance we had a much better chance. We had maybe an 80% chance, but we, it's, you know, sort of committed suicide and everybody's had a, uh, or committing suicide is more how you would put it. It's like, who's going to be the last guy? Who's going to be around when we actually die? Um, and, it, you know, I think it is about that bad. You know, I don't, you know, for all the attention that China's gotten in recent years, keep in mind, as we've discussed before, that it really wasn't until Donald Trump came along that people started to look at China this way. Uh, there were people who understood it, but they were, you know, few and far between and ostracized and nobody paid much attention to them. They were considered cranks who just didn't understand the modern world. Uh, and so there is more, of, there's more of awareness now, but they still to actually change things and undertake a really a systematic effort with a really a, a widespread psychological understanding that China is an adversary, an enemy that seeks to uh, dominate us, and we're going to do something about it. Uh, just to, once again, go back to like the Cold War era against the with the Russians. There was a widespread belief that that was uh, that was how we needed to look at the Russians. I don't see that we're looking at the, the Chinese that way, even though you know for all the good work the Trump administration did or has done, uh, I don't know that that's going to stick, and that. You know, I just I'm not sure. You know, I kind of have my doubts. You know, one always hopes uh, that things will work out in a way you don't expect. You know, so just because I can't predict the uh, the process or the things that are going to happen to get us out of this mess uh, doesn't mean that things won't happen that get us out of this mess. You know, it's just events happen and uh, sometimes you get a break when you you're not expecting it. Um, but uh, I, God. but I would go back to, when I say fifty percent chance. That's not of those aren't very good odds. Right. No. Uh, and not you if know, you're I, not if you're a betting man. I mean, Las Vegas wasn't built bet on fifty fifty odds. Okay, just so everybody yeah. knows that the uh, and these are the kind of things that you know we're talking about. If you you know just this, I just saw this headline. But um, here's a headline for you: 
and then I'll let you go. China-based Zoom employee charged for secretly censoring Tiananmen Square anniversary events. So what you have is you have a Zoom employee in China that you're disrupting, you know, these scheduled events being held on Zoom, you know, to commemorate the Tiananmen Square anniversary, which didn't happen according to the Chinese. So this is what you're talking about. This Orwellian, and, and as, as Grant Hapley said, Orwell could not have conceived of this, okay? Would have, yeah, come on, let's not be, let's not lose our minds over it. But this is the kind of t- stuff you're talking about in all forms of technology, in all forms of influence, it all bends to China. And uh, it's just, um, it's disgusting. Uh, it's disgusting, and then what you have you know, a major story in the United States is the son of the president-elect of the United States is tripping over himself, right, to stuff his pockets with cash. And that kid is an absolute shit show. And you know, Grant, when you deal with shit shows, they don't have their ass and their brain wired very tightly together. And there will be more to come from that kid. And it's not going to be good. And so I'll ask you one final question. This influence industry, I mean, the Biden family is involved in it. The former vice president of the United States. Is it looked at by, as politicians, the Chinese influence business, as the military industrial complex is looked at by retired generals? Oh, I just need to do right. I need a couple board seats, and then I'm, you know, I'll be making six hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'm done. Uh, I'm done. That's there's my life. My that's that's the payoff. Is 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 that what this cottage industry is now for retired or retired American politicians? Yeah, I, I think it is. They, you know, it didn't. I don't know that it was ever this bad, but I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, and you'll notice that nobody's really criticizing this, or the there are people who are, of course, um, and some very uh, loudly, but nobody's listening to them. They're being drowned out by the the media. Isn't covered. The mainstream media is not covering this. Uh, it's the social media won't cover the story. It's uh, you know it's being censored, and it's um, nobody wants to hear it, which tells you that pretty much. Most people don't think it's all that bad. You know, you're not hearing like this, just this outcry on Capitol Hill from the political class, because uh, so many of them have their own, their, their snouts in the trough, uh, that it, you know, it, it's, you know, just a little bit of money for me. Actually, we'd think it's a huge amount. And then it's somebody else's problem. And it's not, you know, a little bit of money isn't going to, you know, put the U.S. at risk. But the cumulative effect on it is a sort of a American political class and I'm not even mentioning the business and financial classes that, that really doesn't care about U.S. Uh, security, U.S. national interest, or, or even really saving like a, a, a free nation, the, the idea of human freedom. Uh, I just don't see it. You know, I was uh, speaking of the you know, how things are. I was talking to somebody the other day about the, the Yakuza, Japanese organized crime. And I said, well, they don't, they're not. They are in America, but they're not as active as you might think, and it's probably because there's just too much competition, uh, you know, from you know from <laughs> our political class and our you know, the others who basically do things that Yakuza would do if it was Japan. And I wasn't really joking. Uh, you know, that just seems to be how bad it is. There's always been corruption in Washington, but you don't seem to see anybody really um, taking the other side. And standing up for what used to be called principle or patriotism or the national interest, uh, you know. But I, you know, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know because I was pretty sure that that uh, Washington Redskin team. I thought they were sure to win the conference. Well, and, don't put uh, them out. I mean, do they still have a shot? I mean, I think you have to have like a less than 500 record to win the NFL East this year. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that, well, if they're good, I guess they're going in the right direction then. But they, uh, so you, you never, but anyway, they, um, yeah, I say, so I'm, uh, you can see I'm a little bit, not a little bit pessimistic about what's coming. The game's not over, but we are making it very hard for ourselves. 
Now, when you when you have Hunter Biden and and you're just watching it, you know the and now you know, I mean, the emails that you read and I need a key for my you know ten you know ten percent for the big guy. Don't mention his name; they're paranoid about it, right? I need another key for my office mates: uh, Jill Biden, Joe Biden, and Jim Biden. Um, uh, you, you just wow, is it? You know, so and so it goes. Anyway, Grant, first of all, probably won't talk to you again before uh, until after Christmas. So uh, Merry Christmas, um, and uh, and thank you very much for doing this. Always appreciate the conversation. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I always enjoy it. So, um, but I, you've uh, sort of um, depressed myself. So I'm gonna kind of go to sleep and be depressed for eight hours. So, but, uh, next time will be a happier conversation. Uh-huh. The Chinese may may surrender by that. Exactly. We'll pray for their surrender on uh, to our nativity scenes. All right, Grant. Thank you. Okay. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks a lot. You bet. That is Grant Newsham here on a Monday. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know, depressing, right? Depressing. But I, I want you, if you do have an iPhone, do that. And you talk about a little bit of, um, talk about a little bit of, uh, I don't know, just a moment where it's like, it's like real for you. And that's how it impacts my life. Right. And then you look and it's like, um, you look and you just shake your head thinking, Right? Wow, that's pretty stunning stuff. Right? That's pretty stunning stuff. And yet, so it goes. So it goes. Yeah, I was watching, I can't remember what I was watching. And, uh, and I see this, <laughs> and so I do it. And, and, guy's straight up right it's just like wow that's pretty brazen right pretty brazen how would that even happen right Uh, you know Mr. Cook uh, as Chinese we're a very respectful population oh of course we all know that and as such you know we do not uh, enjoy when our readers are ridiculed or our leaders are ridiculed and we would very much appreciate it if right oh well let me just talk to the appropriate people I'm sure not that that's not a problem we'd be more than happy to do that you know censor that within China oh no no I think you misunderstand the tone of my remarks pardon me yeah you you misunderstand the the tone of my remarks we see this as a global issue oh Oh, okay, well, you know that will involve my conversations with other people in our uh, in our distribution network. Yes, I know that, right? I look forward to your affirmative reply to my request. That's what that conversation sounds like. And so, in the meantime, right? And so it goes, the dance of the Uyghurs... And all the rest of it, right? You're going to do our dance. And the question was, you know, 50-50 chance, according to Grant, that the free world wakes up in time to uh, to prevent Wall Street from delivering, you know, the post-World War II world to the Chinese. Pretty amazing. Shouldn't be surprised, though. But sad. Yeah, on that dreary note. Have a great day. Uh, The Mensa Brothers will be with us. No, Bing West tomorrow. 
Yeah, if you're looking for a holiday you know, gift idea, The Last Platoon, new uh, piece of fiction done by Bing West and available at uh, all your local booksellers and uh, online booksellers. So you can go ahead and uh, purchase that. It's about a Marine platoon, uh, the last platoon in Afghanistan. So uh, Big West, prolific writer of things Marine and uh, has taken to fiction to uh, to tell a story. So uh, go ahead and check it out. On a Monday, don't be afraid to go change somebody's life. I'm doing it right now. That's right. I'm on my way to do post-traumatic winning. So how about that? So have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. I am out. Merry Christmas to everybody. And happy holidays to everybody else.